Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today, and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Praise God. Praise God. And uh, let me just say, uh, I think that sometimes we take it for granted around here that everybody knows how we do things. And, um, you know, one thing that we, that, that we fail to say, and we have some in the house today that uh, are here for the first time, have never been with us before, and so maybe you didn't know what uh, uh, Pastor Jason mentioned communion, but you said, so where did I get this said communion? You know, uh, are they going to pass this around? What are they going to do? Well, let me tell you, it's right beside you, and you're welcome to partake of that at any time during the service, so you haven't missed it. It's not too late. Just between you and the Lord, just rem uh, you know, remind yourself, Jesus said, do it in remembrance of me. So, we're going to be remembering what he's done throughout the message this morning. And so whenever that you want to receive the communion elements, uh, if you haven't already, uh, go ahead and feel free to do that. Praise God. Just give thanks for what he's done. His body was broken for you, for you so you could have healing and health. His blood was shed for you so you could have the remission of sin. Praise God. In fact, if you're joining us online, I encourage you to partake right where you are as well. Praise God. But today, we are talking about the script being flipped. And uh, you say, what does a TV have to do with, um, you know, resurrection? Well, the script. The script was flipped. You, you know, and... and um, Something that I was thinking about in preparation for this message today was the fact that, you know, Hollywood a lot of, does, does a lot of movies uh, that are um, the, you know, it may say based on a true story. Or it may be the story of some event that happened. But the thing of it is when they do that, it's always something that has already happened in the past. Some, some great event that happened in the past, you know, they did, uh, they did the Passion of the Christ. Well, they based that on something that happened in the past. And, uh, you know, Hollywood does a lot of stuff like that. And, um, but the thing of it is, Hollywood can only base it on a story that has happened. But see, here's the deal. God did the movie first based on a true story that was going to happen. Praise God. Because he knows the end from the beginning. The Bible tells us that he says, he, he proclaims, he announces the end from the beginning, long before it happens. Praise God. You know, God foretold, you know, and uh, he, he talked about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he talked about everything, every minute detail of everything that Jesus would do once he arrived on the scene. Once he got here, what he's going to do. And he, and he talked about that well in advance. Praise God. Now we remember it today. We remember what he did. And you should never forget what he did. But God started announcing it from the very beginning. From the moment that Adam and Eve fell, God came and talked with them in the garden, and he talked about the seed that was to come, the seed of the woman that was to come, and what he was going to, uh, to accomplish, that he was going to crush the serpent's head. Praise God. And, you know, 4,000 years later, 
Jesus shows up and does exactly what was in the movie. Praise God. That God put on. Praise God. Now, today we're going to talk about a story that uh, from the Old Testament from way back that, uh, you know, tells the story of Jesus. You see, and we call it types and shadows. Types and shadows. Because God gives us a type of Christ, and he gives us a type of you and I. Praise God. And so I want you to watch this. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 6, it says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, I want you to get this. God told the story, He made the movie, and the devil still didn't get it. You know, that, that, that just goes to show that uh, he's not real bright, okay? Now, he's been around a long time, and he's got a lot of experience, and there's one thing that he is good at, and that is deception, but he watched the movie unfold before his very eyes, and he didn't get it. He didn't understand what was about to happen. Had he known, the scripture says, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You know, God talks about it all the way through the Old Testament, through the, through the mouth of the prophets. He talked about what was going to happen, and the devil didn't get it. He didn't understand. Praise God. You see, because there's, there's one requirement if you're going to understand the mystery of God, you see some people, well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Well, it shouldn't be a mystery to you if you're a born-again believer. It shouldn't be a mystery to you. See, because the Bible says that he made known the mystery. He made known the mystery. Praise God. Now that we are on the... See, here's the thing. If we could have understood it with our natural mind, then the devil could have understood it too. But he spoke things in a mystery so that it, it was spoken. Therefore, see, this is how God does things. What he wants to accomplish, what he wants to do, he speaks it. He says it. And once he says it, his word will always come to pass. His word will always be confirmed. Praise God. And so he spoke it. He needed to speak it. But God, because he is a master communicator, he was able to speak it in such a way that the devil could never understand it. And this is why a person without the presence, without the indwelling Holy Spirit, can't understand it either. You see, you didn't even know that you needed to be saved until, even though it's written in the Bible, you didn't know it until Holy Spirit revealed it to you. Praise God, because He is the teacher. He takes all the things that God has said and He reveals them to us. Praise God. And He opens our understanding so that we can uh, in fact, after Jesus was raised from the dead, the Bible says he encountered some of his disciples. And as he was talking with them, it says he, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Another place says it this way. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's how he opens our minds to understand the scriptures. He breathes on us and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So I say to you today, if you have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, what's going to happen? In fact, right now, let's not even wait till the end of this service, okay? Let's just go ahead and do that. Let's take care of that right now so you can understand what I'm about to share with you. 
Praise God. And he will breathe on you and you can receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, your understanding can be opened and you can understand what I'm talking about today. Praise God. Just say this with me. Say, God in heaven, I'm thankful that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he paid for all of my sins. And then he rose again from the dead so I could have new life. And today I choose Jesus to come into my life by the person of the Holy Spirit. I receive him right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, according to God's word, if you prayed that and you meant what you said, then you are saved. Praise God. Praise God. And so now, when you, you, you see, when you get saved, Holy Spirit moves in you. He moves on the inside of you. Praise God. So now you have a supernatural ability. I believe you're going to get more out of this sermon today than you've ever gotten out of a sermon in your life before. Praise God. Praise God. Now, there is an individual in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, right at the end of the book of Genesis. His name is Joseph. And Joseph is a type of Christ. Praise God. And something we need, I, I need to give you just a little bit of history so you can understand what's, what is taking place here. Now, Jacob, who was Joseph's father, um, he was, a, he was a deceiver, and he was on the run, and he had to leave his family and go, uh, go to another place. And, and he went there, and he met a young lady that he wanted to marry, a young lady by the name of Rachel. And uh, he wanted to marry her because, you know, he, he said, she's beautiful, I want to marry her. Well, her father's name was Laban. And Laban said, well, I'll, okay, I'll give you Rachel. I'll give you my daughter to marry if you'll serve me for seven years. So the Bible says that, that because he loved Rachel, he ended up serving 14 years for her. And because he loved Rachel, it says that it seemed like it was only a day. Anybody ever been in that kind of, in love, you know, seemed like only a day? Well, you know, he, he loved Rachel, and so 14 years seemed like nothing to him. Praise God. But he, he served, but Laban played a trick on him. And at the end of the seven years when he was supposed to receive Rachel as his bride, his bride was veiled, and he wakes up the next morning after the honeymoon night, and it's the wrong girl. He married Rachel's older sister, Leah. And so he goes back to Laban and he says, that was a dirty trick you played on me. Uh, I'm not very happy about that. And uh, Laban says, well, another seven years. He says, you know, it's a tradition. The, the older daughter has to marry first. So you know, I'm sure that Jacob's thinking, why don't you tell me about this sooner? You know, but anyway, uh, he, he serves another seven years, and it was, it was acceptable then to have more than one wife. So don't take that out of this story. That's not, you know, it, that's not the point. Don't go get you another wife. All right? Because only one, only one. Praise God. And so uh, anyway... He serves another seven years, but now these two sisters, they are types of, of a couple of things. First of all, Leah, the older sister, she bore sons to Jacob. And Leah was a, in, in fact, you know, Leah bore sons, then Rachel said, well, you know, I need to bear some sons, but she was barren, and she wasn't able to bear any sons for Jacob. And so she said, well, why don't you take my, my handmaid 
and have children by her. Maybe that's how God's going to bless us. So, you know, then she bore children to Jacob. And then Leah said, well, you know, I need to give him some more sons because now, you know, he already loved Rachel more than me anyway. So, uh, you know, I'll give him my handmaiden. So he had some more sons. And all of these sons, you know, from the two handmaidens and from Leah, they all added up to ten sons. Now, we know how many commandments did were written on the tablets of stone that Moses brought down from the mountain. How many? Ten commandments. We all know that. All right. So ten sons of self-effort. Okay, so Leah is a type of self-effort, a type of, of law. But then the Lord opened Rachel's womb, and she bore two sons. And those two sons, their names were Joseph, was the firstborn, and Leah, or not Leah, I was talking about Leah a minute ago. Uh, and, and Benjamin is the second son. Joseph and Benjamin. Now, these two are, are the important ones because these are the two that came because of Rachel is a type of grace. Rachel is a type of grace. And so there came two sons that were, a, that, that were born of grace. And so throughout this, we're going to talk about the fact that, that uh, Joseph and Benjamin were the sons of grace. Now, God always wanted grace. Jacob always wanted Rachel. Leah wasn't what he wanted. The, 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 the handmaidens were not what he wanted. He always wanted Rachel. That was what he wanted from the very beginning. We need to understand that though the Ten Commandments came along, though the law, the, the, the self-effort came along, it had to come first, but God always wanted grace. Praise God. Joseph was known as Joseph the dreamer. Joseph had dreams of ruling. And, you know, he, he sees, he has this dream and he tells it to his brothers. And his dream was, you know, well, the, I, I saw the sun and the moon and 11 stars and they all bowed down to me. Well, he had 11 brothers, and they all bowed down to, to him. And uh, the, the sun and the moon actually are symbolic of his father and mother. And so he tells this dream, and then he has another dream, and he has a dream, and they're gathering uh, sheaves in the, in the field, and they're binding them up. And Joseph says, well, you know, th there was my sheave, and then there was all of your sheaves around mine, and they all bowed down to mine. And Joseph had these dreams, and because of these dreams, they hated him. Furthermore, Jacob, the father, made a coat of many colors, and he gave it to Joseph. And they hated him even more because of that. So one day the, the brothers are out in the field and they're watching the sheep, tending the sheep. And here comes Joseph coming to check on his brothers. And they say, well, here comes the dreamer. Let's, let's take him and let's, let's kill him. And so they took him and they threw him in a pit and then they're discussing among themselves, you know, how are we going to kill him? How, and, and they look up, and here comes a, 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 a caravan of Ishmaelites that are passing by. And uh, the older brother uh, uh, comes up with the idea, and he says, uh, I, I tell you what, 
Instead of killing him, he is our flesh and blood. Instead of killing him, why don't we just sell him? And so they sold him for 20 pieces of silver and to the Ishmaelites. And the Ishmaelites took him down to Egypt. Now, here's, the, here, here's a type that we need to understand. Jesus came into the world. He is the son of grace. And he came into this world with the purpose. Now, rem remember what happened when Jesus came into the, into the world. When he was born in Bethlehem, there came wise men from the east, and they're looking for Jesus. And they come, and they, they, uh, uh, they come to Herod and say, Where is he that is born? And Herod gets all upset about that because he's the king. And he's saying, well, there's another king that's born. Why don't you go find him for me? And when you come back, I want to go worship him too. When the fact of the matter is, he wanted to go kill him. And so uh, uh, the wise men leave and they go and they find Jesus. And the Bible tells us that, um, that they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, but to depart another way. And so they, they did. They went away an, another way. Um, but Jesus was born to be king. He was born to rule and to reign. Joseph was born to rule and to reign. God's, remember, God's writing the script before the event. Now, Joseph, he's, he goes down to Egypt, and the Bible says that, that he was a prosperous or a successful Man, because God was with him, and no matter where Joseph went, he was always successful. So he sold as a slave to Potiphar, who was a uh, a military man in Pharaoh's army, and Potiphar puts Joseph over his entire household, and it says that it, that the only thing that he didn't put over, under Joseph's watch and under Joseph's care was his wife. Well, his wife decided she wanted to have a relationship with Joseph. And so she begins to seduce Joseph. And Joseph resisted that temptation. But Potiphar's wife, she's so angered that Joseph could actually resist her that, uh, that she tells Potiphar that Joseph was coming on to her when it really was just the opposite way around. And, and so uh, because of that, Potiphar takes Joseph and he throws him into the king's prison, into Pharaoh's prison, and he, and he puts him in the place that the king's prisoners are, are kept. So here he is, everything's under his care. He, he's causing Potiphar's house to prosper and be successful. And so he throws him into his prison, and now it seems like, you know, he, he's beginning to rise in Egypt, and all of a sudden it all comes crashing down. Anybody ever been there that your whole, you know, seemed like you were doing great, seemed like you were really trucking along and doing good you know there there are some people that that you're here in, in, in the room today there are some people that are watching me online that it seemed like everything was going good and then COVID hit and all of a sudden everything's comes crashing down but you see in the prison Joseph is put over all the other prisoners once again the Lord was with him, is what the Bible says, and he rose once again to the top. Praise God. Now, Joseph is in this prison, and one night, two of his, his uh, cellmates come to him, and they say, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've had dreams. We don't know what they mean. One of the cellmates was Pharaoh's baker. And the other one is Pharaoh's cupbearer. And so 
they begin to tell him the dreams. Now, here's what I want you to understand. That, that, that these two are, it's not an accident that these two, the baker and the cupbearer, because the baker, what does the baker do? He makes bread. And what does the cupbearer do? The wine, the, the grapes in the cup and gives them to, to Pharaoh. So the little cup that you have sitting there with bread in the top, that's, you know, I, I want you to see the picture here. The baker is symbolic of Jesus, the bread of life. The cupbearer is symbolic of Jesus who shed his blood for you and I. Praise God for the remission of our sins. Now, here's what, Joseph hears their dreams. And, um, you know, and as they, and he gives them the interpretation of the dream. He tells the, the, the cupbearer, he says, in three days, the interpretation is this, in three days, you're going to be restored back to your position and you're going to once again put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And he tells the baker, he says, not so good for you uh, because in three days, they're going to hang you and the birds of the air are going to come and eat your flesh. And so it wasn't such a good thing for the baker. But he tells the cupbearer, he says, when you are restored back to your position, tell Pharaoh about me. Well, two years later, the cupbearer remembers, oh, yeah, there was this guy in prison, you know. And he wouldn't have even remembered then if Pharaoh hadn't had a dream, a couple of dreams. And Pharaoh calls all of his magicians, and they can't interpret the dream. So the cupbearer says, there was this guy that I was in prison with, and a baker and I, we had dreams, and he interpreted our dreams, and it happened just like he said it would happen. And so um, Pharaoh says, well, bring this guy to me. And so they go and they get Joseph out of prison, and they bring him to Pharaoh. And uh, Pharaoh says, I've heard you can interpret dreams. And Fa Joseph says, interpretations belong to God. And so he, he, he says, but, you know, God's going to give you the interpretation. And so he, he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And because of the interpretation, he's, he says, well, you know, the, the essence of the dreams, in case you haven't recognized it, I'm zipping through this story, okay? We're going really, really fast here. I encourage you to read the end of uh, about chapter 43, I believe it is, where the story of Joseph starts in Genesis. Go home and read 43 through the end of, of uh, Genesis, and you'll see the whole story. Um, but, you know, Pharaoh... When, when uh, Joseph interpreted his dreams, it, the essence of the interpretation was there's going to be seven years of plenty. And it's going to be followed by seven years of famine in the land. And uh, Pharaoh says, well, you know, what can we do about this? And Joseph says, well, you need to find a wise man who men in whom is the Spirit of God, and you need to put him over managing this business. And uh, Pharaoh says, well, there's nobody any wiser than you are. So he puts him in charge. And in one moment, the script flipped. In one moment, Joseph went from the prison house to the palace. Praise God. Now, I say that today to say to you that no matter what you're going through and no matter what you're facing in your life, scripts can flip in a moment. Praise God. You see, the script...
for of all the ages and the script for all time flipped the moment that Jesus walked out of the grave. Praise God. Everything was going against you, and it seemed like you'd make a little progress. Am I talking to anybody today? That you were making a little progress, making a little headway. Things were going pretty good, and then it all came crashing down, and it seemed to happen over and over and over again. Joseph was the father's favorite. You know, he was loved of his father, then his brother sold him, and he became a slave. He was in, in, rising to the top in Potiphar's house. Then all of a sudden, it all came crashing down, and he ends up in prison. But then, get, get this. The third event, the third event was the one that landed him in the, in the palace. The third day, Jesus walked out of the grave. Praise God. Never to die again. Never to suffer again. He rose out of the grave to be victorious. Praise God. And the greater thing is that if you have believed upon him, it was you in the mind of God, it was you that walked out of the grave that day. Praise God. Praise God. Now, Joseph is exalted to, in, in fact, the, the Egyptian name that they gave him, get this, and I, and I can't say this name, uh, it doesn't roll off my tongue right, but uh, the, the Egyptian name that they gave him literally means Savior of the world. Isn't that interesting? Call him Savior of the world. Well, he's a type of Christ. He's a type of Jesus. He, he came into this world destined to rule. Praise God. Praise God. Now, because the famine is not just in Egypt, but throughout all of that region and all of that area, people from all over the world at that time, all over the known world, were coming to Egypt, and they were all coming to receive grain so they could survive. And Joseph is the administrator of this food that saved the world. Jesus is administrator of the food the bread of life that saved us. Praise God. Praise God. They come and they bow down to Joseph, and Joseph gives them food. He provides for them. One day, the same brothers, the ten brothers, Benjamin didn't come with them, but the ten brothers, they all came to Joseph, wanting to buy food. Now, get this. You realize the day came when law bowed to grace? Aren't you glad that law bowed to grace? Praise God. Praise God. There's a few of you that get it. There was a day when law bowed to grace. Praise God. And grace became the ruler. Hallelujah. But see, here's the thing. They came and they bowed down. Joseph sold them food. They went back home. There came another day when they needed some more food. So they came back, and once again, they bowed to grace. And he's, Joseph recognized his brothers. And he starts asking them questions about their family. And they, they begin to tell him, well, you know, we had another brother. And uh, but there, there's 11 of us. The youngest one is at home because the father didn't want him to, to leave because he would be heartbroken because we had another brother and he is no more. He, 
he is dead. He's he's gone. And see, it had been reported. Now let's let's go. Let's jump back just a little bit. You see, Joseph, when they threw him in the pit to sell him in to the Ishmaelites, they took when they decided not to kill him. They took this coat of many colors. Do you remember that when Jesus was hanging on a cross that some Roman soldiers gambled for Jesus' clothes? Now, they took Joseph's coat of many colors and they put animals' blood on it, blood-stained it, and they took it and they presented it to their father, to Jacob, and they said, Here, Joseph... Your, your beloved son is dead. And here's the blood-stained coat to prove it. What, do, you, do you see this? That Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he took his own blood and he offered it on the mercy seat of God in heaven as the blood became the proof that the death had taken place. Now, they brought Joseph's blood-stained coat to prove that he was dead. Jesus carried his own blood and says, Here, Father, I died. The wages of sin is death. I paid it. Praise God. But you see... They wouldn't let Benjamin come. And so finally, they, they, you know, Joseph, unknown to his brothers, they don't know who he is yet. Do you, do you realize that to this day, most of the Jewish people don't know who their Messiah is? You realize that Joseph was blessing them, but they didn't know who it was that was blessing them? Do you realize that there are people, the, the Jewish people are blessed by Jesus, but they don't know who it is that's blessing them? But Joseph, he's... He's feeding them. Jesus is feeding us. In fact, the, the, the fact of the matter is there are people all over this world that are being blessed by Jesus, that are being fed by Jesus, that don't know it's Jesus that's feeding them. But Benjamin, they persuade Jacob to allow Benjamin to come back with them. When Benjamin comes back, to Egypt with them and I'm, I'm skipping some of the stories if you're saying this is what comes next maybe not in my story because <laughs> I'm skipping over because I'm getting to some points I want to make alright we, we just don't have time to go through every detail but here's the deal Benjamin comes back and, and Joseph brings them into his house and he feeds them has a, has a meal for them. And the Bible says this. Now, now remember, the ten brothers, they were all the sons of self-effort. Joseph and Benjamin are the sons of grace. When they brought out the food for the brothers, Benjamin got five portions. Everybody else got one. Benjamin got five portions. Five is the number of grace. You see, Joseph and all the ten brothers, they were brothers from another mother. But Joseph and Benjamin had the same father and the same mother. 
So they were the only two in the, in the bunch that were full brothers. Joseph, and ben, Joseph sends, he says, serve Benjamin five times as much. And then here's what they did. When they, they, they brought the money to pay for the food that they were taking home, for the grain they were taking home, Joseph had his servants put their money back in their sacks. And, you know, they get down the road and they find out, hey, he returned our money. They're, we know what's going on here. He's going to accuse us of stealing this. You realize there are, there are people today, they're tr they tried to pay for their sins. They tried to pay for all the things they've done wrong. They, they've tried to pay for, you, you know, when people come to God and they say, well, God, you know, uh, if, if anybody deserves to be healed, it's so-and-so because they've been, you know, they, they've been a good person and they've ministered to the poor and they've done all these good deeds. What are they doing? They're trying to pay for their provision. They're trying to pay for their healing. They're trying to pay for the blessings in their life. And they think they have to pay for it. And Joseph said, no, you're not paying for this. This is on me. But he didn't reveal that to them. And, and he put the money back in their sacks. So when they come back, you know, but, but when Benjamin left, not only did he put the money in the sacks, he also put his silver cup in the sack. Well, the silver cup, this was the cup, it was Joseph's personal cup. Silver. Silver represents redemption. Praise God. And the cup was empty. Now, why he puts us empty, silver, what's the significance of that? Jesus said, Father, if there be any other way, Father, if there, let this cup pass from me. But he says, I know there's no other way except that I drink it. So the reason it is empty is because Jesus drank the cup that was full of all of our sin and all of our punishment and everything that was against us. Jesus drank it and he drank it all. So the cup is empty. And not only that, but he put 300 pieces of silver in Joseph's, or in, in, in Benjamin's sack. So when they come back again, the next time, Joseph can contain himself no longer. And he says, you meant this for evil. But God meant it for good to sustain life. What has happened in your life that God is turning for good to be a blessing? What the devil meant to kill you, God is turning it to bless you. And not only to bless you, but to bless the nations, praise God. God flipped the script. Praise God. Jesus walked out of the grave, hallelujah, and he has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He was dead. Joseph was thought to be dead. Jesus was dead, but he rose again from the dead. God flipped the script. You see, God is a master at flipping scripts. How many of you remember when Lazarus died and Mary and Martha came to Jesus and they said, if you'd only been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, he'll live again. And Martha says, well, you know, I know he's going to live again in the resurrection. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he raised his voice and he commanded Lazarus to come forth out of the grave. God is speaking to you today to come forth out of whatever grave you have been buried in. Praise God. The script is about to flip in your favor. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Now today, if you can believe that, I've been telling you that the glory of God is about to break forth on planet Earth. Hallelujah. And it seems, I mean, the devil is fighting like he's never fought before. He, he don't know what's about to, he still hasn't figured this thing out. But he knows something is about to happen. And he is doing everything he can do to stop it. But just like Joseph, in spite of all odds, he rose from the prison to the palace. In the same way, Jesus walked out of the grave and there was no power on earth or in heaven or under the earth that could stop it. He walked out of the grave, praise God. And I'm telling you that if you put your trust in Jesus today, there is no power that can stop you from rising above whatever it is that you're facing, what you're going through, what the challenges that you're facing. Joseph faced the challenges. God flipped the script. Jesus was dead and buried, and the devil thought he had won, but God flipped the script, and Jesus walked out of the grave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you that today you can rise above whatever you're facing. Praise God. Praise God. Maybe it's sickness in your body. Maybe you've been given an evil report. Maybe you've heard some things that, that quite frankly have scared you. And you're thinking, what, you know, man, I got a doctor's appointment this week and I don't want to go to the doctor because last six times I've been, they've given me a bad report. And I really don't want to go. I know I have to. And you're living in dread right now because of what you think is going to be told you. But I'm here to tell you there is healing in the house because God has flipped the script on this deal. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus, the healer, is walking through the room today. Praise God. He's in the house. Furthermore, he's in you. Do you realize that? Jesus is the healer, and the healer is in you, so that means healing's in you, right? Does that make sense? Praise God. The healer and healing, his healing is in you. Praise God. So right now, if you need healing in your body, I want you to do something. Wherever you're being challenged right now, just put your hand in that place. Put your head, put your hand on your head. If it's your heart, put your hand on your heart. If it's your, you know, a joint in your body, put your hand on that joint. You know, whatever place in your body that you need healing, healing is in you. Praise God. Say this after me. Say, Jesus, I know that you bore my sickness my disease and my pain in your body so I would not have to bear it in mine. And right now, I speak to my body. James said that if I can control my words, I can control my whole body. So I speak to you. Joint pain, I command you. The Bible says I can control you with my words. So I tell you to be pain-free. I tell you, drive out the pain in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Heart, I, I take control. And I command you to function like God created you to function. I'm in control. 
With my words, I am in control of you. You will function like God created you to function. Pancreas, I command you in the name of Jesus, you'll do what I say. You will function the way God commanded you to function. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lungs, lungs. You function like God created you to function. I control you with my words. There's some people watching online. You're, you're watching me right now and you've, you, COVID has settled in your body. I'm going to tell you this. I went through it. And I emphasized through it. I came out the other side. Praise God. But I, but I say it that, that way to, to help you understand. One of the things that, that God began to speak to me was that passage out of James where he said, if any man does not stumble in word, he is able to control his whole body. And I began to speak to my body and I began to say, you will drive COVID out. God created you to, to be able to drive out anything that doesn't belong in you. COVID does not belong in you. You go. I command body, you drive it out in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love.